0: This week on the Myths and Legends podcast, it's the original story of the ugly duckling as it was put down to paper in the 1800s. A story you probably think you know, but one that contains far more exploding heads than I ever thought possible for the story of a wayward duckling. The creature this time is one from my hometown of Loveland, Ohio. It's called the Loveland Frog. It's a big frog that also might be a wizard. This is the Myths and Legends Podcast, Episode 70, Foul Play. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories you might not have heard, but really should. Today's episode is brought to you by Rogue Wallets. If you're on the quest for the perfect Father's Day gift, the guys at Rogue Industries have you covered. They make slim, front pocket wallets up in Maine. And Rogue's wallets are crafted from awesome leathers, like bison, moose, and centaur. Well, not centaur, they're really hard to hunt. Satisfaction is guaranteed. I have the classic, I love it, and my back has never felt better not sitting on a wallet. Best of all, prices start at just $45. Visit rogueindustries.com and use promo code LEGENDS for free shipping on your entire order. This week, it's one of those stories you think you know. It's The Ugly Duckling, a literary fairy tale by Danish fairy tale superstar Hans Christian Andersen, if you remember, he's the writer of the violent and weird original Little Mermaid, as well as the long and confusing Snow Queen, which went on to inspire Disney's Frozen. The mother duck, resting in her nest on a warm afternoon in early summer, looked on her eggs. They would be on the verge of hatching soon, and she marveled at the beauty of life, or rather. She had marveled, like three weeks ago. 35 days of sitting on eggs, and she was ready to go. I mean, the incomparable majesty of watching her ducklings hatch and seeing the world for the first time was nice and all. But did it have to be so mind-numbingly boring to get there? All her friends were off having all sorts of duck fun, but she was stuck making sure her unhatched eggs didn't die. The only thing around was some stork, who walked around talking in an Egyptian, claiming he had learned it from his mother, even though no one in Egypt had spoken Egyptian in a hundred years. And he was a stork. But after three straight weeks of listening to this stork probably speaking gibberish, she didn't really care what it was. She just wanted to not be sitting on a mess of lumpy eggs. Then she felt it. They were hatching. Finally. She heard a crack and saw the first beak burst from its shell. It was her first duckling. It squinted and looked around. Oh, hey, mom? Ah, it doesn't matter. I'll imprint on basically anything, the duckling said. Well, you're lucky. I am your mom, said the mom duck. Cool, cool. So this is the world, huh? This whole nest? Hm, I thought the egg was the world. This place is a lot bigger, the duckling said, admiring the world. Oh, no, yeah, the, the world isn't just the nest. There's a lot more to it. There's a farmhouse, a barn, a lake, a field, and well, yeah, That's that's actually about it. I haven't been past the field, so I can only assume it doesn't exist, the mother duck said. Oh, here comes another. That conversation repeated itself about eight more times as the other ducklings hatched. All right, well, is that about everybody? Asked the mom duck, getting ready to head to the lake. Everyone stopped and stared at a single lone egg remaining unbroken in the nest. Uh, what about that one? Asked one of the babies. Well, yeah, if we leave, it'll probably die. I'm not sure I'm... Basically, running on instinct myself, the mom said. Alright, we can't go have fun because that stupid big egg is taking too long to hatch, the mom said. Everyone, back to the nest. It might sound like I'm being harsh, but I'm not taking too many liberties with the text here. The mom is pretty harsh and impatient toward the last duckling in the original story. An old duck waddled by and asked the mom what was up with that weird big egg and the nest full of babies that just wanted to go swimming. The mom explained how it wouldn't hatch, and the old duck declared that it must be a turkey egg, so the mom should just give it up and let it die. He was persuaded by the turkeys to send him one of their eggs once. Ugh, never again. The thing was big and weird, and could not even swim when the duck threw it in the water. Wait, so, the mom duck said, Oh yeah, it died. Fairy tales from the 1800s are dark, said the old duck. Yeah, seriously, said the mom. Anyway, I've already been sitting for a few days. What's a little while longer? Okay, well, whatever. I don't really care. I think I'm just in the story to plant the possibility that it could be another bird, said the old duck. All right, see you later. Hours and hours later, well into the night, the large egg finally began to crack. And the mom began packing up her things to explain life in the world to the newborns on the go when it finally happened. The last duckling was born. It was a boy. wait, Oh no, is that what it looked like? If ducks were able to contort their faces in disgust, they would have done so. They looked on the newest baby duck. One of the day-old ducklings was the first to speak up. Just, ah, what is wrong with your everything? Now kids, chill out, said mom. Sure, it's weirdly big and shockingly ugly and might be a particularly tricky turkey's baby, but we won't really know the answer until tomorrow when I force it into the water and try and drown it. Until then, it could still be your sibling, so only mildly shun it. Alright, everyone, get some sleep. The mom duck narrowed her beady little duck eyes, as she watched the big, ugly duck swimming with his probable siblings, like a champ. (sighs) It looked like it was a duck after all. All Alright, well, whatever. She would love it, I guess. She let the kids swim until midday, when it was time for them to go to the farmyard. It was basically the New York City of the duck's world. There were other ducks, a cow, some horses, a cat that constantly tried to kill them all, more ducks, wait, 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 can we circle back to that part about the cat? One duckling asked. I mean, what? Oh yeah, well, just avoid him if you can, the mom said. If not, well, I mean, this is the animal kingdom and stuff happens. All right, everyone, let's go. When the mother and ducklings made it to the yard, two duck families were fighting over a severed eel's head, as families often do, until the dreaded cat came by. The ducks that didn't flee were swatted away, so the cat could eat the eel head. The mother told her ducklings not to make eye contact, with a feline who sat, tearing eel's flesh away from the bone, while watching all those delicious little nuggets waddle past. The story goes into some pretty heavy pro-aristocratic undertones here, describing a wonderfully beautiful duck, sitting in a place of honor, She apparently has some Spanish blood in her, though I'm not really sure who's tracking the bloodlines of ducks. Anyway, the babies are told to kneel in her presence, and again, not make eye contact. She graces the mother duck with her attention, saying that the babies are all beautiful, well, except for that big, ugly duckling. The Spanish duck addressed the mom and said, can you, like, do something about his face? Because, you know, I know he's only one day old, and has done and said absolutely nothing to me, but his face is very disturbing and I wanted to stop. The mom shrugged and actually stood up for her baby. She said that, one, he wasn't a turkey. She knew she had just tried to drown him. Two, it didn't matter if he was pretty. He was a male duck and he was big, so he'd be strong. Basically, she was saying, yeah, I know he's ugly, back off. The wonderfully beautiful duck's politeness and social graces must have counted for something, because she did stop insulting the looks of a newborn. If that sounds like a low bar for classiness, well, all the other birds showed how well-bred the Spanish duck was, when they did not let things go. The mother told all the ducks to just look around and have fun, and all but the ugly duckling were met with kind words and pleasant glances. The ugly duckling didn't know what to expect in the farmyard, but even he, just one day old, knew that it was not going well when he took a wing to the back of his little bird head. And he was downright terrified as a turkey flew straight toward him. Spurs out. Also, Google turkey spurs. Those things are sharp and big. I have long maintained that birds are gross and kind of scary. Birds are basically tiny velociraptors. And though I'm not a paleontologist, I kind of think raptors would be jerks to a slightly uglier raptor in a supposedly polite raptor social setting everyone was downright brutal to the Ugly Duckling. I mean, they're animals on a farm in 1800s Denmark, so I get that there isn't a lot going on, but every bird on the farm went all in on making fun of this newborn to his face. Even the human girl who fed the birds got a few laughs in, as well as a few literal kicks. The Ugly Duckling's brothers and sisters would dunk him in a bucket with all the eel heads and, oh, hey, look, here comes the cat. Things got bad enough that the ugly duckling even hurt his own mother, talking about how he was so weird and ugly that she had wished he had never been born. His brothers and sisters and almost every other creature he came into contact with were one thing, but his own mother? That made the choice to leave in the night an easy one. The other ducklings high-fived one another, having woken up to find that their aesthetically challenged sibling had almost literally flown the coop. The mother looked at the much larger space her son had occupied in the nest, and then out on the fields, and lake, and the world beyond. She hoped that wherever he was, wherever he ended up, that he found a peace that their world could never give him, on account of birds being incorrigible jerks and tormenting a newborn solely on appearance. the ugly duckling had flown that morning. It was exhilarating. He had taken off over the hedge, farther than his mom had ever gone, beyond the world that he or his siblings knew existed. He flew and flew and flew. Storms raged around him, tossing him in the night. And eventually, he dove into some long grass and huddled there until morning when he heard quacking. He had wandered into a field of wild ducks, though they weren't especially wild and still kept a clicky little community, they didn't care if the ducklings stayed among them, as long as he didn't plan on marrying any of them. Don't worry, I'm really just looking for a place to sleep and not be bitten by birds, the ugly duckling said. Well, we won't bite you, one of the wild ducks said, unless you want to marry here, then we'll bite you. I just said I wasn't looking to marry, the ugly duckling said. Then, okay, you can stay, the dad duck said. Just don't marry anyone. Oh, you're looking to marry, huh? The ugly duckling heard in a honk behind him. No, the ugly duckling said, and turned around to see two geese strutting through the fields. I just told these ducks, well, if you want to marry, it's a whole field of geese over there. Then you can fly with us. You might be really ugly for a duckling, like really tough to look at, but you're not bad for a goose. You'd do all right, the geese agreed. Once again, not looking to settle down, the ugly duckling replied. Would that even be possible? Um, you know, with geese and certain types of ducks, yeah, one of the geese informed him, but it's kind of rare and offspring are usually infertile. Anyway, you can fly with us after you get married. You're already big for a duck, so you could probably handle our flights. The ugly duckling smiled. He really wasn't interested in mating with a goose in the next field over, but flying with these guys, it could be fun. They would be like a little family. Exploring the world together, he turned to one of the geese excited to accept his offer, minus the next field over part. When the goose's head exploded, instantly, the trees surrounding the moor rang with many explosions. The duckling turned to the other goose, still in shock, with specks of the goose on his face, when the duckling was hit with more blood, from the new hole in the other goose's chest. The duckling screamed, and hid, from his hiding spot. He watched them all die, the geese, the kind yet still fairly close-minded other ducks, everyone. Those that tried to fly were picked off out of the air, and when the gunfire stopped, the dogs came in. The canine snatched up all the dead, and wounded birds by their necks, and dragged them from the moor. The ugly duckling shook as he heard a dog sniffing the air around the grass pile. The dog stopped, and clawed at the grass, until he exposed the ugly duckling. He lunged, but the ugly duckling felt only the saliva dripping on him from the dog's teeth, and not the teeth themselves. The dog hesitated and looked at the duck. Yeah, no, he wasn't doing that. He loved his master and wanted to be a good hunting dog and all, but he was not putting that in his mouth. I mean, he sometimes ate his own vomit, but even he had limits. Eww. None of the dogs bothered the duckling, who apparently was too ugly to eat and the duckling ran past the bodies of his fellow birds, strewn about the fields, and for the first time in his life, he was just a bit grateful for his looks. The life of an ugly duckling will continue to be far more violent than I ever thought possible, but that will be right after this. Alright, now back to the show. Another storm raged, and the duckling came upon a cottage, glowing in the night. The warm fires inside, illuminating the downpour around it. The duckling waddled toward the house. It would have to be pretty terrible for him to pass up in a storm like this. Upon arrival, the duckling was not encouraged. The cottage was so dilapidated that Anderson says the only reason it hadn't fallen down yet was because it couldn't decide which side to fall on. So I guess it wasn't just a shoddy cottage, but an indecisive one too. The duckling didn't even have to knock because the ill-fitting door hung high on its hinges, a large gap open below. Unlike a lot of the protagonists in many of our stories, the duckling knew that this probably was not a good idea. But as the thunderbolt cracked behind him, he dove under the large crack in the door, and right into the paws of a tomcat. This is a weird little inconsequential event. Basically, a tomcat and an old hen lived with a woman in the dilapidated house out in the wilderness it was another one of those situations where the animals didn't realize that there was a world beyond the door, and the woman couldn't correct the error because she didn't speak whatever language a hen and cat have in common. Because of the cat's hen best friend, he didn't immediately eat the duckling, and of course, they used their power and authority as two of the three creatures in the world to put the ugly duckling on trial. With ignorance of the laws of the hen and cat's world, and the duckling being unable to obtain representation, The hen and the cat basically ran the show. They thought, since it looked like a bird, it could be another hen. So they decided to wait a few weeks to see if it would lay eggs. The ugly duckling stayed with them for three weeks and, surprise, did not lay any eggs. When his case was reviewed by the cat and hen, they told the ugly duckling that he should purr. Because, if he wasn't a hen, then logically, he had to be a cat. The duckling rolled his little bird eyes said thanks for the place to stay for the past few weeks and waddled out underneath the crack in the broken door. This pair was just too weird. He would take his chances in the wild. The ugly duckling awoke and looked down. Oh, cool. Frozen. Fantastic. The last few months had been uneventful. The duckling had stayed safe, but he was alone. The only thing he remembered from the last few months was seeing them. They were large white birds with long necks and the most glorious wings. They flew above him one day, and the ugly duckling could only watch in awe. He didn't know what they were, but they were majestic and wonderful. He felt a connection to them, though he knew that it was impossible. They were the most beautiful birds he had ever seen. And he was just a little ugly duckling. Seeing as he was a duckling that had been on his own for basically all of his life, no one had ever told him about winter. He noticed the temperature dropping, and then he could now see his duck breath in front of him, but he didn't know just how dire things would become, until his lake began shrinking. It grew cold, and hard, on the edges, and he had to keep swimming and swimming, to stop the ice from advancing. He swam for days, and managed to slow, but not stop, the encroaching ice. Since duckling's sleep, he finally had to close his eyes, just For a moment, he tucked his bill under his wing and told himself that he would just go to sleep for like 20 minutes, a little duck power nap. Nine hours later, he awoke to find the lake frozen solid around the lower half of his body and the little ugly duckling froze to death there on the pond, forgotten and alone. When the spring thaw came, his decomposing body dropped below the water erasing all memory of his sad little life. The end. Just kidding. That's what the duckling thought would happen, as he just gave up. He had been fighting and fighting to live and be free, but for what? He would always be an ugly duckling, hated by everyone he saw. Then he heard footsteps crunching on the snow and the ice. Something was coming his way, The duckling gasped. It was a man. The duckling looked up and saw a man with an axe walking toward him in the light of the rising sun. If the duckling had shoulders, he would have shrugged. At least a man with an axe would be faster than slowly freezing to death. The man raised the axe above his head and brought it down next to the duckling. A few minutes later, the duckling was free and the man was carrying the very cold bird back to his house. The ugly duckling shook and shuddered as he warmed himself in the peasant's house. The peasant and his wife and children wrapped the duckling with care. A life of people constantly berating you, hunting you, and casting you out has an effect, though. The duckling didn't understand the people. He had found only heartache and strife since birth. There was no way that this family could be different. To him, they were like the hunters, with the mean ducks, with the legalistic hen and cat magistrates that didn't provide proper representation for an accused animal, there was no way they could care about the duckling because, well, no one had ever cared about the duckling. As soon as the duckling was strong enough, he made a break for it. He knocked over the milk and flapped out of the house, back out into the snow, alone. The duckling knew now not to sleep in frozen lakes in winter, but that didn't mean the rest of the season would be easy. Still, he somehow survived the winter, and spring finally arrived, so he could take a breather. He would not need to fight constantly for his survival. The bird sat back and thought about his life, though. What was the point? He had no one, and nothing. His world was just a never-ending string of painful and horrifying misadventures, and there was no indication that it was going to get any better. He felt like he only had one option. He felt like he couldn't go on. Then, he saw the birds the majestic birds from the previous autumn. They were back. They glided overhead and landed gracefully in a nearby lake. He looked on them with adoration. He would go to them and they would kill him, the duckling decided. If he had to pick birds to viciously tear him to pieces, these royal, beautiful creatures would definitely be in the top three. Yeah, we don't really do that, the swan, who is not too keen on tearing adolescent birds apart, said to the young bird that had appeared before them all. Besides, why would a swan want to die? One of the swans said to the young bird. I mean, our lives are awesome. The duckling was confused and bowed his head. Was it really too much to ask for them to tear him to pieces? It was bitterly ironic that he went his whole life fleeing from abuse, but now no one would do it. He sighed and opened his eyes. He hadn't been on a lake since the middle of winter, when he nearly froze. He had avoided them since then, so he hadn't seen his reflection, until now. He hadn't seen what he had become. He couldn't really believe it. The last time he had seen himself, he was an awkward, adolescent, grayish creature. Now, he looked like those beautiful birds that he had, until so recently, wanted to tear him to pieces, to put him out of his misery. He couldn't believe it. He turned to a nearby swan and said, Was that him? He was a duck. This this didn't make any sense. The swan cocked his head. In their like the little guy could be, you know, whoever he wanted to be. The swans didn't care, but he definitely wasn't a duck. He was a swan. Wait, was he just now learning that? The formerly ugly duckling nodded and told them his story about being born among the mean ducks and everything that had happened along the way. They gathered around the young bird and told him that it didn't matter where he was born. He was a swan now. He had found them, and he was home. Now, I haven't been shy in my criticism of Hans Christian Andersen in the past, and I'm not in love with the original story of The Little Mermaid. And the Snow Queen is problematic as well, but I found this one to be kind of beautiful and a better message for adolescents going through difficult times in their life than, you are awkward now, but you might be good looking someday. I read the story as saying that you'll have people telling you what you should be, what sorts of molds you should fit into. If you remember, the ugly duckling had the chance to stop on his journey, and stay with the cat and hen. He just had to be a cat or a hen, or maybe the time when he could have settled down and found a home, but he would have had to marry a goose. Instead of trying to be something he wasn't, he continued on his journey of self-discovery, even though it was absolutely horrible at times. I find the story saying that you can be different from everyone around you, and that's okay. It may be difficult, but you will find your home, and you'll be stronger and better for the experience. That's it for this week. Next time, last week's theme of rich guys making stupid choices continues, when we started the stories of Sinbad the Sailor, from A Thousand and One Nights. Also, I was looking into it, and no, swans wouldn't eat another bird. But it does seem like they'll attack anything that approaches the swan's nest. I found one story of a bird in Wales who had killed 10 other swans, just because. So, they can be aggressive. The one in Wales beat them with his beak and wings. Also, I found a story about a human, outside of Chicago, who had been drowned. He'd been kayaking around a small lake when a swan flew out and pushed him out of his boat. When he tried to swim ashore, the swan kept blocking him and hitting him until the man eventually drowned. So, yeah, they can be aggressive, but it seems unlikely that a group of swans would get together to rip a supposed duckling apart just for the fun of it. I want to say thanks to Aviator559, NickNick36, Clune11, Goddess. Wildcat JG, Igonator, Kelly Jojon, Captain La La La, French Kicks, Bacon Chef, Andrew DC 87 Procrastinating at Work, Tim61T, Ange 391 Untouched Urchin, Arjith, and The Boy Who Draws Cats, which, yeah, awesome name. Further reviews and the feedback on Apple Podcasts. You all are awesome. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to leave a review, Apple Podcasts is the best place. You can find the show there at Apple.mythPodcast. And there's also a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a toilet poncho, a poncho that, yes, doubles as a toilet, you can get extra episodes, source pack ebooks, and ad-free versions of the show that would not be really risky to wear at a concert where everyone's bumping into you. Check out support.mythpodcast.com for more info on the membership. The creature this week is the Loveland Frogman from Loveland, Ohio, in the United States. A few weeks ago, we had Fishman. This week, it's Frogman. We are slowly assembling a very low-budget aquatic Avengers. I should say before starting that I'm from Loveland, Ohio. It's a suburb of Cincinnati, and I lived there from when I was two to when I left for college. And I have never heard of the Frogman, which is a little weird because apparently he's still around. There was a sighting of him last year, but we'll get to that. At 3.30 a.m., in May, 1955, two police officers interrupted three, three and a half feet tall creatures, waving wands around on a bridge over the little Miami river, with sparks supposedly flying from their wands. Given that it was summer and Hogwarts had expressly forbidden students from using magic. The creatures, described as frogmen, panicked and dove into the river. They weren't seen for another 17 years. On March 3rd, 1972, A police officer named Ray Shockey was moving very slowly along Riverside Drive. Apparently it was icy. Well, what does he see moving across his headlights but a frog man? Though, that term is pretty generous. It's really more like a frog child. Maybe even a frog toddler who's tall for their age. Regardless, it's a three to four foot tall frog walking in the road in front of him on two legs. The creature stared at the police officer and then took his time walking to the guardrail and sliding down into the Little Miami River. I went canoeing in the Little Miami every summer growing up, and there were not a lot of frogmen, virtually zero. And by virtually, I mean exactly zero. I saw zero frogmen. Ray Shockey insisted that he saw a frog, saying that it had scratched the guardrail. Two weeks later, on St. Patrick's Day, the plague of one really docile frog pretty much minding his own business continued. Another police officer named Mark Matthews saw something sleeping on some ice on the side of the road. Mark got out of his car to remove the animal from the roadside when the creature stood to its feet. Sources conflict about what happened next, and by sources, I mean just Mark, who has had a couple different stories over the years. He allegedly opened fire on the three and a half foot tall frogman, who did what any self-respecting frogman would do and dove into the Little Miami River. Mark went back to the station and told people the story defending his friend, Ray Shockey, who had been laughed at for the last two weeks. Well, Mark was laughed at too. No one really believed him or Shockey. And so Mark said, well, did he say frogman? You know, it could have just been someone's pet iguana that got loose. In which case, he missed an iguana crawling on ice in winter at point blank range. I don't really know which one's worse. I mean, shooting a cold iguana stuck on ice right in front of you has to be considerably easier than even shooting fish in a barrel, right? Well, the gunfire was removed from the story as time went on, and Mark doesn't like to talk about the incident anymore, saying that it was blown out of proportion. Anyway, that was 45 years ago, and I guess talk of the frogman died down, so much so that someone could grow up in the area, leave, and then move back to the area without ever learning of the frogman. Well, now, the frogman is back. Remember when Pokemon Go was the coolest thing for like three weeks last summer? People were walking places at all hours of the night to find Pokemon. I even referenced it in A Creature of the Week. And nothing will date this podcast faster than me talking about how popular Pokemon Go is. Anyway, two teenagers were walking in a park at night last year in the summer of 2016 when they saw, of course, the Frogman in the water. Fox 19, the local Fox affiliate here, ran a story on it, which cites, no joke, Bigfootblogspot.com as a source on the creature. The teenager said he wasn't sure whether or not the thing he saw in the dark was a frog-shaped man or a man-shaped frog, but it was definitely one of the two. I think we're kind of just splitting hairs here. I feel sorry for the intern at Fox 19 that had to lighten up the photo in question, which just seems like a person wearing a headlamp wading through the water. I linked it on mythpodcast.com. That's it for this week. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free. And the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to other music in the show notes. And I want to say thanks again to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring us this week. For a great shave at a great price, join Dollar Shave Club. New members get their first month of the Executive Razor and a tube of Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash legends. This week's episode was written by me, Jason Weiser, and produced by Carissa Weiser. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.